0: As we just heard with Andrew Bensley's ad, this is a really important week for Victoria and Melbourne and the Victorian racing industry because the 39th Asian Racing Conference is being held here in Melbourne. It was originally scheduled uh, for a year ago, but with COVID, it's been pushed back and it is great to have so many delegates from racing all around the world converge on Melbourne and Brian Kruger No doubt we'll be a very busy man this week with uh, all of the other important leaders of Racing Victoria. And it's also a week where a lot of major issues are discussed and uh, a pointer to the future. No doubt will also be spoken about as well as we welcome Brian Kruger in. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm well,
1: thanks, Michael. How are you doing?
0: Very well, indeed. So uh, this is a a huge... um, I suppose, focus of Victoria and Melbourne during the Festival of Racing for uh, the dominant parts of Asia and leaders from all around the world to be converging on our great state?
1: Yeah, look, a really exciting week for us. Um, I'd have to say it is an absolute honour for us to to host the event. Uh, As you said, we were supposed to do it uh, 12 months ago with the pandemic. It was delayed 12 months, but uh, three years ago now, we learnt we were going to be hosting the Event in in Melbourne. I think you know it really is a reflection of how well regarded racing in Australia and in particular uh, Victoria is. Um, we've got 700 delegates here uh, from 30 countries over the next three days, and there'll be hopefully a number of them going to the Lightning Stakes on. On Saturday, all sorts of other social and cultural activities around the state. So, uh, yeah, really fantastic for racing in Melbourne and
0: Victoria. And there's a lot of interesting topics which are going to be discussed um, and there's keynote speakers from all around the world, uh, as you mentioned, and and some of the most high-profile people in in all parts of the industry, from trainers to uh, vets, uh, equine, welfare, obviously. Today, the first day of um, the conference, kicks off with a... Uh, a very important um, showcase on equine welfare. And it was interesting speaking to the vet that we had in the studio last week, saying that the protocols that Racing Victoria has put in place, including the standing CT scans, are now also being strongly looked at, being implemented over it for the Breeders' Cup Series as well. So uh, whilst Racing Victoria copped a lot of heat for that stance, it now seems that maybe there are other racing jurisdictions that may exactly follow suit. Yeah, look, at, uh, and this week's
1: obviously the chance for the vet teams and and others from various uh, countries around the world to get together and talk about what technologies are out there and what the the latest trends are, in particular around equine welfare and many other areas. But uh, yeah, look, it's not surprising to us uh, that that others are looking very closely at what we've been doing with the protocols for our spring carnival. Um, Equine welfare is critical for for everybody and, you know, what, what happens in other countries around the world and in other states in Australia obviously reflects on, on everybody in racing. So sharing these best practices and uh, learning from each other is really a critical part of what we should be doing.
0: Andrew Bensley's had a chat uh, with um, Winfred from Hong Kong uh, and this Saturday is a very important day because of the of the world uh, tote pool. And we were just talking with Matt Stewart about the situation with the pari-mutual um, um, I suppose, amount of money that's been held there in the pools in recent times. So just explain to the listeners what this means on Saturday with the Lightning Stakes meeting and what it may open up in the future as well.
1: Yes, look, it, it is a first for us, um, a combination of, of pools, and in, including uh, betting from uh, countries like Hong Kong. And I think people would know that they have very, very large pools in Hong Kong. So uh, it just means there's a lot more depth uh to the markets punters can bet with that with uh i think some more confidence about the type of pricing that they'll be getting um there'll be a lot more eyeballs on our races we'll have punters from a number of overseas jurisdictions that will be betting and watching our racing so uh lots of fantastic things to come out of it hopefully it's a, a precursor of more of this happening um as I said, i think it's important both for promoting our racing here in victoria but there'll be financial benefits for us as well with uh a share of that increased turnover that we'll get so uh Lots of good things to come out of it. Our, our media teams and teams at, at uh, Racing Victoria and, and obviously involvement with the VRC have done a great job to get us to this point And I'm sure it'll be a huge success and, and hopefully there'll be more of it down the track.
0: I was going to say, is that something that we are very keen to obviously expand? And could that be part of this new um, licence which is coming up for uh, the joint venture wagering partner?
1: Uh, look, potentially, um, I think those things need to get worked through. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of work with our our new uh, media business, looking at obviously domestic, not just domestic opportunities, but overseas opportunities as well. And there's been some great progress made there. And, and this is just another example of that. So, I think obviously the uh, you know whoever is um, the successful acquirer of the license, this will be an important part of what they're looking at and understanding what it might mean for uh, for their returns from their investment in the license as well.
0: It's been a busy week for yourself and everyone, including a very important board meeting from Racing Victoria uh, yesterday, and we've been speaking about it for weeks, and um, the discussion around what potential changes may occur, re the racing program in the Spring Carnival. Were Was any definitive decision made at yesterday's board meeting, re a, a movement of the Cox Plate?
1: Michael, I'd have to say I've never had so much anticipation <laughs> around a, a Racing Victoria board meeting. Normally we, uh, we fly under the radar, but... Um, this one's had a lot of focus. Look, maybe just a, a bit of history. Obviously, uh, many of the listeners would know that uh, we've been looking at options to, to innovate our carnival, and, and that was the brief we gave to our team, Andrew Jones and, and Matt Welsh and others, to, to try and look at what we might be able to do to innovate the carnival to capture some, some more fans during that really really fertile period in sort of mid and late November. Um, look, we, we know we've got a great carnival Already, but we want to keep improving it. I think Champions Day uh, last spring was a great example of, of some innovation. That, that you know, I know one year's not uh, not uh, sufficient proof, but it certainly was a great start with Champions Day and what happened there. So we want to keep looking at, at uh, these options. Um, at the board yesterday, we we went through a range of those options. Um, we've got a, a preferred course of action, but I'll probably disappoint you and and the listeners today. We. We want to brief our stakeholders, in particular the clubs and trainers and others, before we make any public statements about it. But we will be doing that over the coming day. So um, Racing Victoria will be making some announcements about uh, what will be happening with the spring this year within the next couple of weeks and hopefully uh, hopefully as soon as within a few days. But uh, we've got to get through that consultation process and briefing process with our stakeholders before we uh, before we make anything public.
0: But it
1: be, just be... want to acknowledge the job that, that our team have done and, and I think the clubs have done a fantastic job putting some really viable options um, in front of us to consider yesterday. So, uh, you know, there's been some great work done and um, it won't just inform this year, it'll inform decisions that we make uh, in future years as well.
0: Would it be fair to say that there will be some changes... Uh because we've spoken to Andrew and Matt said that the options are keep it exactly the same, maybe a hybrid model because there are new races that we're looking at bringing in a couple of, of the so-called pop-up races, maybe moving different races. And then the one that has been widely discussed is the major move of the Cox plate. So, uh, will we see some changes at the very least?
1: Uh, you probably just answered your own question, which was to say one of the options is to do nothing. So, um, I'm not going to give you, I'll keep the powder dry uh-huh. as you say. And, uh, We will make an announcement, as I said, hopefully within a few days, but certainly by by the end of the month once we've gone through that briefing process with the clubs. And I know that's a bit frustrating. I'm not trying to avoid the question, but as I said, I think we owe it to the clubs that have done all the the work uh, putting the options together and the trainers that have been fantastic working with us on alternate schedules and and those sort of things that can work from a racing perspective. And I think we owe it to them to make sure that they get the answer first. And then very, very shortly after that, we uh, we can let everybody else know where we've landed.
0: Oh, that, that's fine. Putting the the actual um, projected changes to the spring carnival aside, just as a an overall generality, do you believe moving deeper into spring carnival is 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 a positive, and there is there is more likely engagement and increased turnover that is there if we do push further into spring?
1: Yeah, a- absolutely, I do. Um, it's it's a matter of I think how we do that is, is really the options that we've been looking at. So. Uh, we're intent on doing something different in that in that part, as I said, whether it's done this year or in future years. But we we're determined to do something there. Um, I guess some of the work that we've done, but also importantly, feedback we've had from you know our wagering partners, our media partners, uh, people like Channel Seven in particular. They are very excited about us doing some things in that part of uh, in that part of the calendar. They think that it is really fertile ground as well, and that so all the work we've done would suggest that's the okay. case. So. I think it's a matter of how, not if, uh, we make we make some changes. And as I said, whether that's this year or next year. But no question in our mind, it's uh, it's the right move from a strategic point of view.
0: And you mentioned wagering partners. How much of a role um, or influence does this upcoming um, JV uh, with the, the wagering licence play in any decisions?
1: Yeah, look, prob- uh, quite a different issue, I think, um, that one. So... Uh, the wagering partners obviously it's both uh, whoever wins the licence will have a view but uh, at the moment Tabcorp, the joint venture partner obviously but we, so we've spoken to them, we've spoken to all of our major wa- wagering service providers about the views about um, what we may or may not do during the spring the issue, the other issue you're talking about which is the uh, uncertainty I guess about the wagering licence outcome so the, the current wagering licence expires uh, around the middle of next year so we have been on the journey with the government and obviously all the potential bidders for the the license in trying to bring that to a closure so that we understand exactly what the returns to the industry from that license will look like in the medium to long term that's critical for us to have that level of certainty about our revenues going forward so that we can make investment decisions and obviously investing into changes in the spring is one of the factors that will be affected but you know the longer it goes on and uh the, the longer we don't have that certainty, it will make investment decisions challenging for us because uh, we can't be investing money that we're not certain that we're going to be receiving. So we're pushing, we're pushing hard to get that resolved as quickly as we can, as are many others. And I know the state government, you know, understands it's important to get that matter resolved as quickly as we can.
0: So as we sit here right now, is there much sight on what those projected returns will be?
1: Uh the short answer to that is no. Um, you know, at the moment we have a no, what's called a no less favourable commitment from, from government. So, you know, we'd expect that principle to be honoured as a minimum. Um, and so we've got, I guess we've got an understanding of what the base should be. But, you know, until until we've got the, uh, the ink drawing on the paper um, and that level of certainty, it is, as I say, it's difficult for us to make those big investment decisions. But hopefully that will be resolved soon.
0: The other big talking point, obviously, in recent days has been uh, the, the the legal dispute between racing new south wales and the other principal racing um, jurisdictions just uh, first of all what was your reaction when you received uh, the the legal document from racing new south wales
1: i look probably a bit annoyed and a bit a bit frustrated um you know i obviously you know i can't comment on matters that are obviously going before the court now but I think you've heard Andrew Jones say that we will be vigorously contesting those claims. And as you point out, it's a, it's a, their, their requests, I guess, that have been made by Racing New South Wales against every, every other PRA. But look, from my perspective, we, we understand, I understand that, you know, fans, participants don't want to be reading about administrators, administrator squabbles on the front page of the, the papers. We want the headlines to be about the stars of the, of the sport. Um, and, you know, I, I think this action, it's a really bad look for Australian racing and it's a, it's a waste of industry money. Um, so, probably frustrating and annoyed is, is the immediate reaction.
0: What's to be gained from it, do you think, Brian? Um, is there a um, want of Racing New South to, Wales to blow up racing in Australia, or what's, what's the end game, do you think?
1: Look, I, I, I can't speak to Racing New South Wales' motivations, I can speak to, to ours. Um, because, interestingly, in, in New South Wales in particular, a lot of media speculation about what our motivations are, um, I guess the first point is the one I just made, it is racing New South Wales versus every other state. So this is not a... You know, the issue here is not just racing Victoria versus racing New South Wales. Um, and, you know, we've been accused that our actions are about jealousy or, or competition or wanting to exclude New South Wales, and, and nothing could be further from the truth. Our anything that we've done has been about trying to make RA... Functional, and make progress in areas like equine welfare, the pattern, rules, you know, government advocacy for the benefit of racing across the country. Um, you know, you and I have talked previously about our desire to change the constitution at, at racing Australia as a way of breaking uh, the impasse that we often have because of the existing veto rights. Um, racing New South Wales have said they don't want to do that, so. You know, our goal, as I said, has always been acting in the best interests of racing across this country. Um, I'll let you talk to Racing New South Wales about what we might be motivating them.
0: I sense there's the frustration um, from all states in regards to this. Is there, um, just to, to, to clearly, I suppose, make it um, open and honest for the listeners out there, what is the reason? Behind the fact that, or, or why can't Racing Australia just continue on the way it is now, and the and the states without getting together to meet? What is falling through the cracks if Racing Australia isn't able to meet with all of the um, racing jurisdictions to make decisions?
1: So I think there's a, there's a few areas. Um, there there are actually a lot of areas. I'll just touch on a few of them. I mentioned equine welfare. I mean. Why we can't be coming together as a group and advancing equine welfare initiatives at the national level is just beyond me. Um, certainly, don't compete in equine welfare. I mentioned earlier that it's the one of the areas where you know what happens in different states affects what happens you know for, for all of us. So um, that's been incredibly frustrating that things like traceability we haven't been able to make progress on at a, at a national level. Um, The patent is obviously another area. The patent committee hasn't met for for years. Now, at some point, that will be a problem for black-type racing in this country, and it is important that we get that sorted. Um, Things like government advocacy. You know, there's a lot of discussion going on at at, uh, federal government level at the moment about uh, gambling, advertising regulations. The industry should have a single voice on that in Canberra, and at the moment we don't because RA is not functioning. I could go on and on, but there are a lot of... I mean, clearly it's not affecting day-to-day at the moment, I think. um, But we could be doing so much better uh, than we are. And as I say, at some point, things like the pattern will be a problem for for all of us. So, um, as I say, very frustrating. That's why we've been working so hard to try to uh, improve the functionality at RA um, with little little progress at the moment. and, yeah, as I said, you, you'll need to talk the race in New South Wales and see if they'll take what their motivations are, but I'm not sure
0: that's it. No, well, that, that won't be happening either. Uh, just a final one uh, on this. Could this maybe be a positive, um, that it brings things to a head in regards to not just Victoria and New South Wales, but all the other principal racing authorities?
1: I, I think so. Um, I'm hoping it is. Uh, you know, that that's a, a positive or a, a silver lining that might come out of all of this... Uh, what I referred to earlier as wasted time and effort and wasted industry money uh, doing these sort of things, is that, you know, we do get a change that means that uh, the states can get together and work uh, work effectively. Um, you know, it's it's been an incredibly frustrating uh, three or four years for myself and for Greg Nichols in particular, who's our rep on the RA board, and I think for every other state, that we haven't been able to get RA functioning uh, as well as we would all like. Um, yeah, We've we've been, I think, uh, very respectful of what's been causing that to date. We haven't talked a lot about it publicly. Um, I think our level of frustration you'd see boiling over at the moment with some of the comments that AJ has made in, in recent days. And I think we will, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to explain more fully about what's actually been happening at the RA table and people will get a sense of where the issues are. Um, I mean, AJ talked yesterday about... The fact that uh, you know, racing New South Wales had been advocating for racing Victoria to be kicked out of uh, racing Australia because I think we ran a six race limited whip use series, um, just ridiculous, uh, absolutely ridiculous behaviour. But that's the sort of thing we've been dealing with. Um, you know, we've had racing New South Wales uh, refuse to attend meetings unless we agreed to be gagged on what we could say to participants um, and our stakeholders. So. Uh, these are the sort of issues that we've been dealing with. We will talk more and more publicly about them now that they've commenced this uh, legal action and give give I think everybody a view of why um, things haven't progressed. And as I say, it's not this is not racing Victoria versus racing New South Wales. This is racing New South Wales versus every other state in this country.
0: What's what's preempted all of this? Uh, is is it as simple? and as minor as the fact that they haven't got Group 1 status on the Everest, where has this all begun from?
1: Uh, Again, you'd have to ask Racing New South Wales what their motivations are. Um, You know, there's obviously media speculation that that's a cause of it. Um, We've got a different view. Uh, You know, the Patent Committee hasn't ever met to talk about that, but our our, uh, our view, and it's the, the issue I spoke about earlier, people will accuse us of being jealous or... Uh, being anti-competitive or whatever, our goal all along with everything that we have been trying to do has been to get a well-functioning RA uh, for the benefit of every race and jurisdiction and all participants in this country. Um, that's been our objective. There's been nothing else. So, um, anyway, that will I'm sure that will come out in, uh, in due course.
0: And if this isn't able to be worked through, whether it's through the courts or otherwise... Is there a provision legally, and also a want that you could actually have a, a a different body which can proceed in working with those states who want to on those other important issues that you've mentioned?
1: I think there are options we need to look at, um, and obviously that's sort of some of the work that's been uh, that's been going on, and there are, there are things that have to be done at RA, but there are things where the states can get together. Anyone that wants to be involved, including New South Wales, can get together and work on things, for example, like equine welfare. Um, so if we wanted to set up a separate national body that wanted to try and progress national uh, equine welfare from a national perspective, um, I've got no doubt we would ask New South Wales to be involved, but if they chose not to be, well, I'm not sure why the other states shouldn't be able to work together on that. So there are areas where it can be fixed. The issues around the pattern, to be frank, I'm not sure what the answer is. Um, you know, we'll we'll need to do some uh, some thinking about all that, and just think through, you know, how we can break the impasse there. And uh, because, as I say, I think in the in the medium to long term, you know, having having a non functioning patent committee that's not addressing, you know, our black type racing in Australia, um, it, it just won't work, and uh, it, it puts I think our black type racing at risk, and that's not something that any of us want to see.
0: Uh, Brian I appreciate your time this morning I think everyone's just shaking their head in dismay. Uh, the One of the biggest industries uh, and sporting um, I suppose uh, pastimes uh, is in such a situation and it, it seems to be a, a great source of frustration to every other racing jurisdiction uh, outside of New South Wales. Uh, Brian uh, good luck with the um, racing conference, uh, the Asian Racing Conference this week. We'll see you out there. Plenty to discuss and just let us know when you can announce this spring carnival. Yeah,
1: well, you'll, 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 get, you'll be one of the ones getting the scoop, Michael, rest assured. <laughs> and look, I, as I say, look, we can finish on a positive note. Um, really looking forward to the conference. It's a great opportunity for, uh, uh, for lots of people to get together and talk about all the good things going on in the industry and, and what good things they're doing and share those. Um, and obviously look at the challenges and what we can do to work together to fix those as well. And, and it'll be a cooperative unified group, I'm sure, at the conference this week working on on those things and you know obviously in the middle of the festival not in the middle but still at the start of the festival the racing now and got some uh some great racing to look forward to in particular the lightning on on saturday
0: good on you brian appreciate your time
1: cheers michael